So yesterday I posted the first article in a series of articles I'm doing about the American Development Model, or ADM, as we call it. And uh, before I get into what I want to talk about here, um, I wanted to kind of just preface this series of articles has been a long time coming. Um, in fact, almost four years. And the reason why I held off on writing this series of articles is because, you know, there were a few things that um, I wanted to just wait and see them play out, make sure that I understood my point of view, make sure that I wasn't wrong, I guess you could say, in, in some of the opinions I had. So really this series of articles is, uh, it's, it's pretty well thought out as far as this goes for me. I, I didn't just pick up and write this on a whim. Um, also at the same time over the years, I've had a number of questions come in about different opinions and philosophies and you know stuff centering around the ADM and how I feel about it and stuff like that. So it's been a, a topic I think that many of our readers are already thinking about, wondering about, have asked me about, and it's also been a topic that I've been in the middle of, you know, in, in my own coaching with my own kids for the past four years. So I feel like I'm not just speaking theoretically when I address the concerns I have with the ADM. I do think that there are some good things. I think that the intent of the ADM overall is positive. But there are a few things that when you actually start implementing it, and really, the closer you implement it to, to the textbook implementation of ADM, the more you start to see where some of these holes are, where some of these issues come into play, where, where the pieces just don't quite fit together properly. There's still work that needs to be done, and that's what I'm trying to accomplish with these, this series of articles. So anyways, I published the first one yesterday. And the first one, you know, we're starting basic. We're really going to kind of go through at a deep level. I didn't want to just, you know, surface kind of hit everything. You know, here's all the things I think is wrong with ADM. I wanted to dive deep and say, this is one point I think needs improvement. This is why. This is my experience with it. This is what I've seen happen when it's actually implemented, et cetera, et cetera. So to kick the whole thing off, we started off with just a basic question is, is what is our objective? What is... ADM trying to accomplish. So I won't get into the entire article here. Um, if you want to check it out, it's on my blog, uh, weisstechhockey.com. There's also some discussion going on on Facebook, um, and that's just the facebook.com slash weisstechhockey. So if you want to follow along there, feel free, throw in your two cents worth. You know, everything we do, um, the, whatever I say is not doctrine by any means, if there is such a thing as hockey doctrine. Um, it's always my two cents worth. It's always my opinion. Um, but it's always based on actual experience. I try not to just be theoretical, unless that's the only way of doing it. But, you know, this, like I said, this series of articles is, is definitely based on my own personal experience over the last four years with the ADM. So what I want to talk about today, though, is actually based off one of the comments that came in off this first article. I thought it was interesting. 
Um, you know, whenever we get into these discussions, there's always people that are heavily for ADM, and there's also people that are against it, and have you know some people see things in different ways, and that's totally fine. What I'm trying to do here is hopefully generate discussion, which is it's actually um, what's been happening. So one of our readers on uh, Facebook, he said an, a number of different things, but one of the things that kind of hit home for me was he says, no one's against high-quality athletes participating in travel hockey, but what we should be against is players that shouldn't be participating playing because their parents can pay for it. And this has actually been something that's been on my mind uh, quite a bit over the past few weeks. In fact, I did a soundbite about it. Um, I think it was earlier. I think it was last week is when I did it. Talking about the be- the benefits of parent coaching. So here's what I feel like. I feel like we're being pitted. We're being pushed into a debate, into an either-or situation where neither option is optimal as far as hockey development goes. I feel like on one hand we've got ADM, which is a decent program for the masses. I'm not saying that it's not a decent program for the masses. ADM, I believe, is a a very solid house league model for getting players involved in the game, making sure they have a good time with it, keeping them involved for a long period of time, albeit at a lukewarm level of commitment. Um, But I do think that it's accomplishing certain things. Where I think ADM falls short is giving the elite players options especially at the younger ages, to progress their skills faster. You know, no matter what, any, any endeavor in life, there's always going to be players or people or musicians or whatever who progress faster. And sometimes that, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a young boost and then they taper off as they get older. And that's, that's fine. That's how some people's development goes. Sometimes they're late bloomers where they're, you know, they're duds at younger ages and then all of a sudden, you know, they hit a growth spurt or something clicks mentally and all of a sudden they're, you're like, where'd this guy come from? Where'd this player come from? And that's fine too. But what I have a problem with is stifling the progress of the early bloomers um, in the name of giving the late bloomers a chance to catch up. I think that at whatever phase you're at, at whatever age you're at, you should be able to progress at the pace that makes the most sense for you. And that's where I feel, uh, and we kind of talk about this in in this article that just went out, and we hit it again in in the next few articles as well in different areas of that topic, but it's discussed. That's where I feel ADM falls a little bit short for our players, is because Really, if you're talking about a textbook implementation of ADM, they there's really no travel hockey until Bantam. And at Bantam, they have what's called the accelerated track. And the accelerated track is where, um, you know, you kind of break off the players that are doing, you know, that are more capable, um, more experienced. And those players can play more games, can have more practice, can travel a little bit with their teams. That kind of stuff. So, so under a textbook implementation of ADM, really, it's all the same. It's all the same until age 13, and that's when you break off. And I feel that that's handcuffing. That's wasting early years 
of the player's development. So, so we, what are, where I'm trying to go with this, we've got ADM on one side, which is great for the masses. It's a fine program for the house, uh, you know, for the house style program, but really doesn't have a lot of options for, you know, say a an elite eight year old and or nine year old. I know some people look at that and they say they're eight. You know, what what more do they do, do they need? They're eight years old. And I I that's maybe you see it that way. Um I have a really hard time with it. I, I don't see it that way. I see it as, you know, if I've got an elite eight year old that's playing house and he's walking through everybody scoring five or six goals a game at will, what good is that doing him to stay in that league another year? What good is it doing the players he's playing against to not be able to come close to touching this kid? Um, so I, I do believe, I think that there's, there needs to be a place for these kids to go as they progress, as they mature, and as they get better. But on the other side, on the, uh, so on the flip side of that, we've got the, the country club mentality, which is what this parent or this, uh, this reader is talking about. Where it's, uh, you know, you got to pay through the nose. You got to mortgage your house every year, take out another mortgage on your house every year to be able to pay your team dues for the season. And so that's what I feel. I feel like we're being pitted these two options that neither of them are that great, pitting them against each other, saying, you know, ADM on one, on one hand is saying, you know, look, we don't need this travel nonsense when the kids are eight years old and parents are paying $10,000 a season for these kids to have you know, quote-unquote travel hockey. And then uh, on the flip side, you've got the travel guys saying, well, you know, what are you going to do? ADM, you're going to just keep running your kid house and, and not even have the option to play travel until they're 13? You know, that option doesn't make much sense for me either. So where does the answer lie? That's the question. In my mind, we need to shift the focus of our efforts. I think in my mind, the answer lies within parent coaches. And the reason why I talked about this and the benefits of parent coaching, that's the, that soundbite that I mentioned earlier. Um, parents have skin in the game, skin being their own kid. Parents who coach, coach because their kid is involved. It's very seldom that you see Somebody coaching for free without a kid involved in the program. Very seldom. So you're either paying with money or you're paying with investment in your own kid or the coach's investment in his or her own kid. Can there be problems with that? Yes. But I don't think that we need to let that limit what we do. We talk, you know, country club coaching or country club hockey is expensive because most of the time they're paying their coaches. So what I think we need to do is invest in parent coaches and educate them. And that's where I think we're falling short. Um, we're setting up this mentality that you don't need to know what you're doing. You just need to set up a small area game and run a station practice, you know, and we'll all make sure these kids grow up together and, you know, it's a family you know, a community and uh, the kids aren't getting the type of coaching they need, and the coaches aren't learning from each other the way that they need to because they're separated out in stations. So even if you do have a mature coach that's got some good experience, he's not rubbing off on other coaches because they're stuck at their station. 
They're not rubbing shoulders with the coach that knows what he's doing. So, and then, you know, like I said, combine that with a small area games mentality where USA Hockey and their literature is saying all over the place, you know, the bottom line is set up a game and let the kids teach themselves or let the game teach teach the kids. Um, when you start combining these elements, really we're falling short on the coaching education side of things. We need to have parent coaches who understand the game, who are students of the game, who know how to design a practice, who know, you know, how to look at a game and see what's going wrong with their team, and then implement drills in the practice that will address the problems with the team. We need to have coaches that understand the development process, understand the three steps of still skill development. You know, the uh, acquirement, development, and application of skills and how that all meshes together. If we do that, then we will have good, high-quality coaches that are willing to coach for free, which will keep the fees down. Then on top of that, I mean, this is an organizational thing, and I know some organizations do do this, but find sponsorships, man. There's, you know, there's so many sponsorship opportunities to help keep fees down. I think that's the middle ground that we need to be shooting for here. Yes, let ADM start these kids. Let ADM be the model. Textbook ADM is a great model for house hockey. But don't handcuff it and not allow kids to progress or to play up a year or to move into a travel program. Don't try to stifle travel hockey. Try to develop travel hockey by developing the coaches, developing the coaches' education and abilities. Then we don't have to be choosing between ADM and country club hockey. We can have a good, high-quality hockey program that addresses the needs of the kids but keeps it inexpensive so that all the kids who are good enough to play can play it's not so expensive that the the parents can't afford to do it. I guess the reason why this is so uh, so much on my mind lately is because we just had our fourth boy. And I know girls play hockey too. I'm not trying to downplay that by any means, but I'm I'm planning on having all four of my boys playing hockey. We've got two of them going right now, and I'm looking at it going, man. You know, if I were to play all four boys. At the country club level, <laughs> I'd be out like forty grand a year, literally, and that is just not feasible for me. As much as I love hockey, I can't blow forty grand a year for my family to play, for my boys to play. And so, you know, I'm looking at it going. This we're we're choosing between two suboptimal options here. And really what we need to do is get ourselves educated, put forth quality programs, educated coaches, set up the program so that the good coaches can mentor the, the, you know, the, the newer coaches, the inexperienced coaches, where they're constantly rubbing shoulders, bumping ideas off each other, and where they have a situation where they can progress and learn and study the game and learn and learn, you know, learn how to Diagram drills. Learn how to design drills that will work for what their team needs. 
All that stuff's really important. And if we do that, if we do it well, you know, A, it takes education. B, it takes character from the coach. You know, a lot of parents are worried about coaches favoring their own kids. And I think that that's a valid concern. But I think that there's no reason a coach can't play his lines fairly, even with an, you know, I mean, for us to say that, for us to make that assumption is really, it's, uh, it's degrading to the coaches that are involved, I believe. To say that the coach can't, re- you know, reasonably um, assess his own player, his own kid's abilities, to me is nonsense. We need to get out of that frame of mind because I think that we, you know, parent coaching is, is the, it's the only way to really bridge that gap and give our players somewhere to progress to that's not going to break the bank for families who can't afford it. Really, that's really that, that should be the goal of everybody involved is let's give the best players, let's make a program where everybody who should be involved can afford to be involved where they will have a good experience, where they will have good coaching, trustworthy coaching, long-term coaching, you know, a coach that you know will be there for the next five, eight, ten years. Not a program that if it turns out to not be profitable, they're going to pack up and move somewhere else and leave the rest of the hockey community in shambles. That's the type of program we need, and it starts with the parents. It starts with the parent coach. That's, that's the key to making this all work. So noodle on that for a bit. <laughs> but uh, and this ADM topic, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's very interesting. But as I always say, it's my two cents worth. So take it or leave it. But um, I do agree with that comment. We need to get uh, develop ADM to the point where it's progressing our house league players to a point where they're ready to move forward, but then give them somewhere to go that's not going to cost a house payment each month <laughs> for them to play. Take care, and we will talk again soon.